0: What's up, everybody? We got another episode of the Drag podcast. My guest this week is the Don, the gangster of the Sticky Mafia, Jimmy Bradshaw. Jimmy, what's going on?
1: How's it going, man? How you
0: doing? Doing good, doing good. I think we're both in a Woostock recovery mode at ex- this point, except uh Yeah, the Woostock a- hangover. <laughs> yeah. Except you're you're just taking hair of the dog and you're jumping right into yeah. the outlaw streetcar reunion. Yeah. Tyler's like, Come on, man, get your stuff going. Let's go. Let's go. You know how he is. <laughs> and <laughs> And it's officially that time of the
1: year where it's pretty much all hands on deck and time to uh, roll out, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we with us, you know, especially in my, what I do, the wintertime, I kind of just hang out. And thankfully, Victor down at Bradenton gives me opportunities to come down once a month and do some of his big shows with Wade and them. So with that, it really works to my favor to where I still have some income in the winter time and keep going and going. And then now is when it's, like you said, full on, everybody's open. So now I'm... I need like four or five of me, actually.
0: You need to start cloning assistants, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually need to start forming a mafia now because it needs to be more than me. You know. There you <laughs> go. You know, live
0: the name, right? Live the name, right? Right. Yeah, it was interesting. That was my first uh, time going to Woodstock. First time going to a like a big no time event, right. and it's always interesting that those have like that. That's one of the things I'm gonna tell people: you got to go to one of these kinds of events now because it's just. It's a completely different feel and atmosphere, yes. and, it's, and it's mixed in with class cars, too,
1: so it's, it's a big old It's A little bit of everything. Fun. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything, and, and, and that's what works for me pretty good because I have you know, roots in all forms of drag racing you know, with the grudge racing. and I mean, my dad ran a track here in Maryland, and it was pretty much the, the grudge track of Maryland, so that's where I came from. You know, and then, you know, moving through, I went class, right, you know, doing some prep jobs for class racing and stuff like that. And bracket race, I'm a bracket racer myself. So I go through all that type of stuff. So I get to dip and dab everywhere, you know, and it's fun.
0: Yeah, you're you're a multidiscipline person. And it's interesting that we're starting to like really like for the past few years, we've seen this emergence of slick tire and radial tire events being put together where in the past that was unheard of but now it seems like you you prep guys have got this magical formula figured out where you can have both
1: technology for everybody you know technology for not only the cars but us us as far as our equipment as well you know a rotator plays a big play in all that that allows us to be able to do them types of two different tires on the same racetrack because you can manipulate the racetrack for what you need on the tire and also it goes hand in hand with the tuners and stuff like that um, because now they've figured out how to run the big tire cars on a much stickier racetrack, and of course, if you can get it to accelerate faster, it's going to be faster. So uh, they kind of they're they're starting to dig being on a tighter track now too, because they can get them bad boys moving. I mean, right now you have a big tire car going, you know, nine flat to the sixty, and radial racing. If you're trying to break records right now, you need to be eight eighty, eight ninety to the sixty. If you're trying to break the RBW record right now.
0: It, it was crazy seeing like some of the tire shake marks that were coming from those slick tire cars yeah. and yeah. i commented to another media guy well, it looks like someone drove a tractor down the track with the the tracks it late i was like that had to get their attention real fast oh
1: yeah you see the people that are used to running on certain types of tracks and i see it a lot because it takes them a good couple times to get down the racetrack because it's not something they're used to um, they're used to more of a looser track so when they come to a track that uh is much substantially tighter because it's pretty much radial um they have to do they have to swing some bars and do some stuff like that for sure
0: now you've done a little bit of everything in the racing industry you know some people might you know not necessarily know exactly all you've done talk about your kind of career path and what brought you to the point of being a
1: travel prep person for a hire i kind of have touched everywhere now that i really think about it i mean um i started in bracket racing my father um was a bracket racer so that's where I was introduced in the racing at um and kind of progressed from there I bracket raced myself um then the same track uh my dad started running so I was helping him do that and the track prep part of it actually started I remember vaguely I was in the garage working on the Camaro that I was racing for my dad at the time and uh he comes in and he goes you know the track prep guy that I have uh he's got a really busy schedule this year. And I don't know if it's going to work out. Would you be willing to step up and do some track prep? You've pretty much been out there and have done it. Um, what do you think? Well, me, I know what it's like when it's a hundred degrees outside and you're out there working, cleaning up oil and all that stuff. And then to try to get into a race car, I was like, dad, I don't think I want to get involved with this. You know what I mean? he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. Like we, that won't happen. I was like, yeah, I don't know. So I of course tried it. And, uh, When it's all said and done, I was out there at 100 degree heat cleaning up. As a matter of fact, he had a 10 grander there that I was racing in. And just my luck, a guy comes out, two cars ahead of me, the oil filter comes off, and it oils the track down from burnout box to 330. And I'm two cars back in a 10 grander, it's 100 degrees out. So that exact scenario took place because I'm out there cleaning up the track. Right about when we got it ready, um, I went over to the guys and I was like, listen, I need like five minutes to try to like wipe the sweat off of me and get my mind together before I get into the car to run first round of this 10 grander and even have a chance. So, uh, even at that time I had to wear multiple hats. Um, but anyway, moving forward. So I really started bracket racing and helping my dad at Capital. And then, um, when I had the, uh, when I found out the Darlington Dragway was taken over by Russell Miller, uh, Facebook was actually how that all happened. Nobody really knows that, but it was Facebook. So if you really want to do something, you can do it. Any way possible, because I actually wrote a Facebook message to Russell, um, talking about or asking him, Hey, if you need any help down there, I'm willing to do it. My father and I worked together on kind of moving this track around and bringing it back full circle up here in Maryland. So I used them same principles to go down there and kind of explained it to him. And uh, he uh, he kind of asked some questions, you know, where are you from and all that type of stuff. And I told him, and he says, All right, this was like in December. March, he gives me, he messaged me back. Hey, you want to come down and check it out? So I went down there and they had a little pro mod race and I stayed down there for like a day or so and checked it all out. Came back and we got to talking and so on and so forth and worked out a deal. And before you know it, um, I think um, March of 2016, I moved to Darlington. No, May, I'm lying to you. Let May, because my very, my very first race at the racetrack, I, I arrived on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Cause I had actually problems with my truck on on the way down there. Um, So I got there a little late. They were having, this is when street outlaws first came out. They had one of their street outlaws events and it was like, I don't know, five or six of them at the same time. We had 7,500 people there for the event. This is my first day, my very first day. Like I didn't even, couldn't even tell you where the bathrooms were. So it was either sink or swim day one, you know, And when I went into it, I kind of pulled the the team together and I said, listen, you guys have been doing this for a long time. Of course, things are going to change because that's why I'm brought in here, but I'm not going to come right in and and force you to do everything. I'm going to see what you're doing. We're going to talk about what we can do to make it better or more efficient and move on. It's not going to be come in and clean house because I don't believe in doing that unless you find that you really have to after the fact. So I was at Darlington for probably. uh, Oh, so let me skip back now. I've left out a whole thing. When I was 19, I went pro stock racing. Well, I was a clutch guy uh, for Jim Cunningham, the same guy that owned Capital Raceway. Um, my buddy, my really good friend, um, it was his uncle, and he was kind of driving for him at the time. And he come to me and was like, hey, you want to, you know, they, they knew I had mechanical abilities and stuff. So he said, you want to go on this team? Again, very first time ever working on a pro stock car was at the race like servicing the car i'm learning how to work on the car as i'm servicing it between rounds like okay you got to learn how to do this and you know you don't have all day to do that so it was kind of hands-on there i did that on and off for probably till probably 2005 i think and then uh my family owns auto repair shop so i was there for a couple years on and off and worked some government stuff and then capital and then darlington so that's right now i was at darlington and then i was there until 2018 and then we had a separation, and then I went from, it was kind of, what do I do now? Well, I made a name for myself at Darlington as far as track prep. That's where I really got, we helped each other shine in that situation, the way I look at it. I brought them back to life, and they put me on the map, uh, being at Darlington. So, uh, actually, I had people calling me, asking me if I'd go do events with theirs, and I said, well, let's try it. So, one thing led to another, and here I am now. Um, I'm able to I was fortunate enough to where my schedule is pretty full through this year. And that's from people calling me on this deal. So it's kind of like being a a quarterback. You got to take it while you're hot because you're not always going to be hot and realize that this is only going to last so long and you got to do it while you can and be smart about it and hopefully segue it into a career that you can, you know, ride off into the sunset with. So that's pretty much how it's happened with me and racing.
0: And that's interesting because, you know, running a drag strip is easy for anybody that's never done it. And,
1: Oh, I mean, everybody knows how to do it online. Yeah, everybody on
0: the internet's an expert. And and so
1: I just hear some of the stuff, and sometimes you just got to shake your head and go, you know what, buddy? You might have a point, knowing that they're dead wrong. <laughs> but to save the argument and the nonsense, you're like, you know what, buddy? Just cool. We'll, we'll, we'll try it out.
0: <laughs> well, you know, from running a track and kind of doing this whole deal, you know, from that management point of view, what, is it, what does it take to have a successful venue?
1: giving your life away <laughs> 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 i mean honestly that's what people don't understand when it comes to and that's what they need to respect when it comes to track managers and owners and especially managers because they're there 24 7 you know when i did it at darlington in order to make that place successful it was everything i could give there's no birthdays there's no you know Holidays, I mean, there is if it's during the week or whatever, but there's no weddings, there's no family time, there's 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 nothing like that. You know what I mean? It's racetrack. And if somebody, for instance, Ricky Stiff, Ricky Smith was in Moushock, if Ricky Smith calls you at eleven o'clock at night and tells you he wants to test tomorrow, this is how you make your living, and this is how that owner of that. Facility wants you to make your living. You answer that phone call, and then you figure out how you're going to test tomorrow, or whatever the case may be. So it's a life, man. I mean, it really. Went, I've had opportunities to um, to manage other facilities, and that's been the thing that's kind of weighed in the back of my mind. Do I want to give my life up again? You know, right now I have an opportunity to do what I like to I love doing what I'm doing right now I go out I prep tracks I go all over the country I meet different people I get to stay with some good people Um, my networking is getting bigger and bigger Um, so I love what I'm doing and I don't have to work I mean today it was I'm getting ready to leave for another trip but I mean Mondays my Fridays for the most part you know or Saturdays Um, I sometimes I mean I'm fortunate enough to where I don't have to work every single day and stuff like that. So when I look at it on that standpoint, why do I want to go manage somebody's facility and, and, and make a fraction of what I make now and have all the responsibility, all the heartache, all the headache, all the nonsense. I mean, I'm a bracket racer myself, but bracket racers are the hardest people in the world to please. And anybody, I mean, I know that's why I kind of get along with them because I'm like, dude, really, you know, like I know what you're doing here. I know, I know manipulation. Come on. And so it's, 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 it's different. It really is, but it, it really comes down to, you have to have communication. Communication is what you need to be successful and have a su- successful venue because at any given time you have to have, I mean, smaller tracks, they can probably get away with 10, 15 people, you know, a day, but I mean, bigger tracks, I mean, you're hundred, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even remember what Bader has for his night of fire up there. I heard it's a couple hundred over the, the course of of the week. I don't know if it's over the course of the, the event employees that he has. So that's a couple hundred personalities, a couple hundred directions, a couple hundred different. A racetrack is a bunch of different entities all in one. You have a restaurant with your snack bar. You have a racing surface. You have your, we're, we're, we're kings of entertainment, but we're in drag racing and anybody that's in drag racing knows that it's very short, You know what I mean? So you have a pro mod event that comes in, you know, I've had a promoters come to me and be like, Hey, I'm going to come to you. I want to give you 15 pro mods. Um, but I want you to pay 10 grand. All right. sounds great. But we're, if we really factor this down in the day, if you're bringing me 10 or 15 pro mods, you're giving me about two or three hours entertainment throughout the whole entire day. What am I going to do for these fans that I'm bringing in here for the other, you know, five hours, 10 hours. You know what I mean? It, it, it's really one of them things you have to have entertainment for the all, all day. And, and that's where everybody has to come together and have a complete show. That's why places like Woostock, because they have that. That's why that is the way that it is, because you have to have entertainment through the fans throughout the whole day. And that's why they're bringing all these forms of racing together because there's different crowds. If you noticed at Woostock, not to get off the subject, but if you notice at Woodstock you kind of had two, two different crowds of people. You had your people that came in during the daytime, which was more with your class racing and all that stuff. They come to watch your, you know, your, your Randy Smiths and, and all that good stuff. But then when, as an, as it went on, you had the grudge scene start to come in and then it kind of, uh, you know, evolved into that. And, and that's the electrifying thing about Woostock that makes Woodstock Woodstock and makes it different from other events is because it's a com- combination of two different genres of racing that come together and, when they kind of uh stay together for that little bit of time, that, that atmosphere is electrifying. And that's and that's that's magic sometimes. So you gotta you gotta be a very good promoter to understand how to entertain, but not blow your budget at the same time, you know. And and drag racing and running a venue is just it's a it's so many different things that you have to make sure work together. Even at Woostock, people look at it and they'll go, That's a great event. And even, even any event that you see that is ran super smoothly. Most of Tyler's events are ran smoothly. He's like the king of race directing. Like, in my opinion, Tyler is on a whole nother level when it comes to race directing and all that type of stuff. And even his events that run so smooth, the commotion that's on the backside of putting out this fire, this fire, that fire, this fire, because it's nonstop. I mean, and, and you have to be able to think on the fly and you have to surround yourself with the people to be able to follow through with the vision that you have. So without them key things, I think it's and that's what's so hard nowadays is to get all them key things together, you know, and it takes years to put them, play, them pieces together. And sometimes nowadays, the personalities don't last that long. You know, an owner wants a track manager to come in there and turn, turn the place around in two years and then it's magic, you know, and it doesn't work like that. It takes years to build this stuff. You know, you're talking five, 10 year plans, you know, so time, communication and the right people.
0: Well, kind of going off of that too, you know, big, big events can be pretty tough animals to tame. I've been involved in help out big events. And you said there's lots of fires and things that are happening all at once, you know, what goes into creating a successful event, you know, on the front end during the event. And then even after. The
1: front end part of it is, is you, promotion, you know, that's the biggest thing. And, and. We've gotten a lot of help with it now with social media before it was, you were out there handing flyers out and. And going to other people's events and passing flyers out without making sure you're not stepping on anybody's toes and all that good stuff. Now with social media, it's click a button. You got Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever else. I don't even know. I don't use half of them, but you have all these different deals now for, and even with you guys, you know, with these podcasts, I mean, this is chances for people to come in and promote their, their races or their tracks and stuff like that, because you are a zeroed in audience of drag racing, you know what I mean? So for a promoter that wants to promote something, it would be smart for them to say, hey, how much for a a podcast episode because I got an event coming up in a month. I want to push it harder, however many people, and you can give him data on how, with the outreach of that, you know what I mean? And that's that's the main thing with stuck on the front end of the event. You have to have the right promotion, the right outreach and all that stuff. And a lot of people don't do all that research to see how they're spending their money the best and how they're getting the most outreach there was many times I've been with me traveling. I've been to so many different places and I'll stop in at a little store five minutes from the track. And uh, they'll ask, you know, my, what my business is or whatever. And I'll tell them what I'm there doing. And they're like, Oh, there's a race down the road. And I mean, this isn't a one in the racing world, we were advertising all over the internet and everybody in drag racing knows but the local guy down the road doesn't know anything about it and lived, has lived there for 30 years. And that's just something that, you're gonna find everywhere. So you have to really find out what the outreach is. Sometimes flyers is the best thing because when you go into them small town places, they don't have internet like we do. I mean, really these small town places are, not to be out of the way, but I call them like 1996. Like they're just little mom and pop places and that's what they are and that's what they'll always be. And so you have to be able to to reach them the way that they're, I guess, able to be reached out to. So on the front side of it, it's your promotion putting it together as far as making it smart enough for the time. Um, and what I mean by that is, is making sure you have the entertainment throughout the day. you got to make sure that when the racer comes, he's going to come and feel like he's going to make a trip for a worthwhile event. So, I mean, like you got Roger Holder that comes from California over to the East coast all the time to go to like ducks event and Bradenton and stuff like that. That's from California, you know, but he's coming over. He wouldn't come over for a two day event. He's coming over for three, four, five day events. So, in order to get the really big racers from all over the country, you have to make it worth their while in order to have them come. That's why Woostock and Donald and Tyler and all them races are three, four, five days long. Because with the cars nowadays, they take sometimes they take a day or two of testing to get it sorted out to be able to be in competition mode for the other cars around. Um so the transport or or, or 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 so it has to be something to where it's it's a multi-day race in order to have people want to transport their cars from all over. So in order to do that, you've got to be able to plan and make sure that you don't overbook the event to where you're never getting the stuff done because the worst thing you can ever do in an event is never finish. That's the absolute killer worst thing ever is not finish. Like now, if weather's playing a plan apart or some unfortunate stuff, then yeah, you can't, then everybody understands. But if you just flat out can't finish it, it's just, it was poor planning. Um, so you got to make sure everything throughout the, the, the flow of the event is planned proper. Then you got to make sure you get the right people there. So then you got to go out to your racers. And sometimes with your racers, you got to talk with them and try to work some things out. I mean, it's a business for everybody. It really is. So sometimes you have to work a deal with the racer and say, Hey, I'll give you some gas money. If you want to come, you know what I mean? Or, or, or something or another to to help with what you can do. Um, after that, then it comes race day and race day again is seven P six or seven P's proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. And so many times I've went to some tracks and I'm like, so what's the plan for today? I don't know. Okay. And I mean, these are my smaller little tracks that I do my little races. You know, I still do my little races too. And I'm like, okay. And it's like, okay, I already know how this is going to go. It's going to be totally wild and crazy. Just let me just go ahead and take a big old bite of patience here. Cause that's just what it's going to take for today because there's going to be dumb crap happening all day long. It's funny when you come from an event like Tyler's where it's boom, boom, boom. And it's so professional. And then you go to like some little backtrack that you're doing out in the, in the middle of the night, you know what I mean? And it's so different. And you, for me, I have to uh, adjust to the way everything's ran and stuff like that and understand that, Hey, these are, this is just the way it is. You know what I mean? And so you really, man, I know I'm getting off track, but that's because there's so many things to actually run into an, an event. And that's what people don't understand. They think that they can just pick a date hire me do some fancy flyer throw it on the internet and boom they're the next mike hill you know what i mean and it don't happen like that it don't mike hill has been doing this stuff forever he is the og one of the ogs of grudge racing you know what i mean and he's the man to ask for that because he's done it but from what i've seen it's just the, the race day is all of and you have to please the racers man like you have to be able to keep everything cool keep everything on time, and, but in the same hand, I've seen that happen before too, where you're so caught up in keeping the show moving the way that you want it to move that you start to um, be out of the way because your patience is not sticking there and you're being out of the way to some of the racers. And you, you, you got to just be a good person all the way around. So it's really hard to, to nail what actually makes a good event an event. It's a combination of a million things. The right people. You have to know the right people. There's people that won't come to races just because they don't like you. And it don't matter how much you pay them. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's it, the real thing in the racing world is its personalities too. If people just don't like you, they ain't going to support you. So if you go out there and you do a bad thing in drag racing and then you want to be a promoter, you, might, you can't do that. So it really takes – Uh, and now with social media, I mean, everybody's lives are pretty much plastered all over the world. So it's, you have to make sure even when you're not promoting, you're doing the right thing, because if not, they can keep up, come around and creep and get you on the backside of that. So to have a successful event, it's a combination of a million things and luck, (laughs) luck, luck is the big thing because you can do all that. And then it rains. And they've done that. (laughs) I've done it plenty of times. (laughs) Well,
0: speaking of luck, we're very lucky on this podcast to have some great sponsors like Performance Distributors. The company allows you to feel the difference, not just ignite a spark. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, their ignition systems are designed and manufactured under the most stringent of guidelines. In fact, the owner, Steve Davis, told us their systems are designed as if they're running in their own vehicles because they are. One of the products you may already know from them is their DUI line of distributors. The first and one of the best HEI distributors on the market. Their machine calibrated timing curves provide instant throttle response and eliminate damaging engine detonation. For those of you with late model vehicles, their Sultans of Spark ignition coils are based on DUI technology so they can accommodate wider plug laps, giving you more voltage. So check out performancedistributors.com. Not only do we promote them, I use them on my own vehicles and my projects. So Got that going. Now, Jimmy, every track has a personality. I mean, I've been all over the place. I've been, you know, from Norwalk to tiny little hole in the wall tracks, you know, I've got my own opinion on this, but what do you think makes a good track for fans and racers and, you know, to have an event, you know, something that, you know, you got to have certain things to make a good event. What, What does that track have to have, in your opinion, to be, you
1: know, special? Um, History. I think history is one of the big things. That's why Darlington does really good. It's the history there. I mean, that place is one of the first pro mod, uh, what, in the fives, and I think the first of 200 or something. Uh, South Georgia has some pretty good. Gainesville. Gainesville is always a big racer in HRA because of the history there. Pomona, you know, so I think history is number one just like anything in order to have a good event, you got the foundation of it is the place you're having it. So if you're, if you're starting off an event and going to have a huge event, um, the location is key and it's gotta have history. If you try to go to, I mean, if Keith was trying to have Woo stock it, I don't know, some track nobody ever heard of. The first thing you're going to have is the racers going, well, how good's the track? You know what I mean? Is it enough stopping distance? You know, do they have enough equipment? Do they have like what if it rains? Can they even get going? You know, so uh, location is n- key. Number one, there's different promoters. I've, de- And even with what I do, they'll come to me and, and they'll explain what they're trying to do. And they'll go, what, kind, where, what track am I? You know, where do I need to go to do this? And there's only so many because demographics big time, too. You know, there's some really big. Tra- South Georgia is one of them tracks. Duck has the biggest radio, one of the biggest radio races in the world but then some of their other races, you never even hear about, you know what I mean? And that's just, that's been something that's been duck built that from, for however many years, 12 years. So that's 12 years worth of his investment that's made that what it is. There's other guys that have went into South Georgia and tried to do the same thing. And I, I don't hear, it, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it, it, it's location and then building the foundation after you find a location and that fits his venue very good because of where it's located and what time he, and when he has it, you know, he has that in February. There's only so many tracks in February that we can run in the United States and they're South. Well, then you got to look at however many cars he has, however many people, if he tries to take that race to a smaller venue, he, now he creates so many more nightmares. Havoc. Yes. Yes. To where he knows what he's going into right now. It's, it's almost like riding a bike for him right now to where if he takes that somewhere, he's, there's all these different avenues. So location, location, is number one, you got to make sure that it, it suits all your needs. So before you sign that contract or do anything, you need to think about, okay, how many cars am I expecting? My parking, you know, and the smart promoters do that. They go to these tracks before they do anything and they look at them. They just don't call a track and say, okay, how much is it to rent your racetrack? Oh yeah, no problem. Sign me up. And this is what I'm gonna do. That's, that happens, but that's when that's people that are just getting into the game. Um, But to have a successful one location, Um, history, location, um, let me think here. I had some notes. I did write something down.
0: I think part of it, too, is that the demographic you're going for as well. Yes. Because you can't, like, you can't go to a track that's known for grudge racing and you're going to try to put on a big bracket race and expect the gate or vice versa. It's just, you know, it's not going to happen. The, the base isn't there.
1: Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's all like, so I don't know if people know this Darlington, South or Darlington, South Georgia and Rockingham, I believe, are all built by the same guy. And the reason you can and the trademark there is the concrete stands built into the wall. And in doing that, it kind of gr- creates a different atmosphere. Rockingham was always like that great, like that with ADR, ADRL back in the ADRL days. I mean, that place was on fire. I mean, if you went back and looked at some of the pictures back in ADRL when the, or, and all the other pro mod days at Rockingham, it was huge, you know, and now you have um, – and that's why NHRA goes to Gainesville and, and stuff because the demographic, you have to be able to hit it – and hit it while it's hot. So during the – during that's another key. During the winter time you're down south. That's about the only thing you can do. So down there, that's when Florida's hot. That's when they do all the racing because it's cooler. You know, you're not gonna do, you're not gonna have a big event like Duck wouldn't try to have a big event in in uh, Florida in July. Oh no, it's like suicide. You know what I mean? Like I had I have a race I have a race in Florida, and that was the very first question I asked. It's in July. I was committing. I'm trying to. I am committing suicide, I think. But the very first thing I said was, hey, this is a nighttime race, right? If it's daytime, I have no interest whatsoever. Well, why not? Well, because it's suicide (laughs) for me. Like, you want me to try to get radio cars down a 150 degree track with 100% humidity and it'll rain every five minutes. Like, this is no fun for me. I don't put myself in them situations. Doing it at nighttime, I'm still putting myself in some dumb stuff, but I guess it's a challenge and not just like I'm hard headed. So I don't know. I guess whatever. (laughs) But the demographic, Um, is very, 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 very key. Um, Again, we go back to the track surfaces. I mean, all these things, you have to really make sure they they go together because if they don't... uh, I've seen big races that they didn't have great surfaces and it was failure and they had all the right pieces in the place, but it didn't work out because of that. I mean, rain will destroy an event. There's so many things that'll destroy an event. Um, And I don't think... Place that is very different racing. When I'm on the East Coast and I do my stuff over here, compared to when I go to the West Coast, it's like night and day. Oh yeah. Radio racing on the West Coast is Dead. obsolete. I go to the West Coast and when I go out there, they want to the tracks out there try to half half kill me. Because in order to radio race, you're spraying glue down and they're like, What's going on? Like, we can't do this. And I'm like, in order for these race cars to go down this racetrack, this is what you have to do. And And God forbid, if you pull a rock out of their concrete, now the springs are popping out. And I mean, this is normal radio racing for me. I mean, when we're radio racing, we're putting these racetracks on the edge. I mean, you'll see us out there knocking rocks out of the cars because it's literally pulling the aggregate out of the concrete. I mean, it's hard on these things. I mean, I'll probably be like rolling around in a wheelchair because I won't be able to walk because of walking on glue for, you know, now 10 years or whatever. So, um, hold on one second, I got a car coming fast. Oh, it wasn't loud. <laughs> but having the surfaces and stuff like that, I mean, again, it's its one of them things to where – oh, crap. Sorry, I was actually – I was getting ready to call you on the damn thing. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? I'm getting ready to call him. <laughs> um, hold on, look at some of the things here.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think it, it 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 comes down to the, the events too that you're trying to like where you're trying to put out and what you're trying to do. And, you know, even the size of the venue and the type of the venue, because you could go like people used to always comment at Joliet for the NMCA NMRA Super Bowl. It looks like there's nobody here. Well, that's because that place can hold 30,000 people. You got to remember that this is not, you know, Norwalk's the same way. You put 10,000 people in Norwalk and it doesn't look like there's a lot of people. That's
1: there. a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had, again, people come from, you know, you put some uh, two tracks like Piedmont and Darlington, both great tracks, but you put 1,500 people in Piedmont, it looks packed. You put 1,500 in Darlington and they're like, where is everybody at? And that again creates the excitement. You take 1,500 people and put them in a smaller space, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be a little wild, but then you spread them all out and it's like, we're, what are we doing here? So you have to pick your venue for what you think you can accomplish. You know, if you think you're going to go out there and rule the world and don't know anything about promoting and you, but you just have tons of money, you can make yourself look really, really foolish because you go rent this track that can hold, you know, 500 cars and 10,000 people and you only get 100 cars and 1,500 people. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, 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 you overspent here and and you kill your own event because it looks bad. You know, you have to. You have to grow with it. And, and that's the biggest thing with promo promoting and all that stuff and the success of all everything. It's really knowing the business and knowing how not to overstep, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, you don't want to go and get yourself a big track and not be able to pull it off because then you look like you failed, even though you were successful, you could be successful and be in the green and made some money. And it still looks like a failure because of the place looks empty, you know? That that's what
0: blew me away. My when I went to the first night under fire up at Norwalk, yeah. and I've seen that place pretty packed for an NHRA event, but not like it was at the night of
1: fire. That was like something that's like it, them 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 things, and I've never been to, been to one, but them events are like from what I hear, like that's the like mecca of entertainment and drag racing. Like that is just if you and I wish I need to go do it because I'm sitting here trying to tell somebody else if you get a chance to go experience and I need to do it myself because I hear it's just a whole nother world like the debaters are like where my hand is out of the screen that's where they are as far as promoting it in the drag racing world like they are they are the top so
0: I raced up at an I've been to a lot of NMC races crude covered them I've raced yeah. an event up at Norwalk Yeah. And I'll never forget. I pull my car around the corner to go in the water box and there's Bill Bader Jr. himself laying the water down in the water box because it had to be done. And he was wearing the uniform. I do the same thing. Everybody else wears. And a lot of people don't realize that for a good like track environment like that, that's you have your leaders. They are there, elbows deep doing what
1: they got to do. The way I felt the way I always feel is, is how do I tell somebody else what to do if I can't do it myself? You know what I mean? And that's how I built, that's how I think I've been somewhat successful in, in, in managing because I know every entity I started out handing out tickets in a, in a ticket booth when I was like eight years old, you know what I mean? And then I worked in the water box and then I did, you know, I used to come in when I was a teenager, I'd go to the capital raceway and I would scrape the track during the week to make money, to go out with my friends during the weekend. That was my thing. The Cunningham's would come in. I'd come in during the weekend after school and I'd go out and scrape the track and it was, I was like, Hey, I'm getting tan and making like, I didn't, whatever it was, it was nothing back then, but it was for, to a teenager. It was, I was rich, you know, and nobody messed with me. I'd go in and put my earphones on and just be in my own little thing. So maybe that was my calling from ages ago. Like I knew what I was doing at t- teenager, but I really didn't know, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's uh, uh, i lost my train of thought. Shit. It happens. I was right there and I looked over.
0: <laughs> well, I'll throw another question at you here is, you know, it's always fascinating to me to see this and here, like get someone's opinion that actually does it, you know, what goes into creating a good surface? Cause it fascinates me to like watch what you guys do. Cause you look like, like greens at a golf course and what you're trying to do. And like, I, like I use pooch as an example, he'll be set there, like just, I'm trying to figure out what he's looking at, and then he'll like walk up, look at the track. Like, looks like he kicks it for a second. Then he gets on his radio, and they do something. Like, what are you guys doing to make these track surfaces work? To to educate people so they yeah. understand what so, goes into it.
1: So there's a more so your track. Okay, so the way it normally starts is when when I go into an event, I'll start it this way. When I go into an event, the first thing I do. I try to ask the tracks to scrape a certain amount of the track for me because I don't think it's fair that I have to go in and scrape the track that they've may have been running on for a month or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't, and it's not fair for the promoter to have to come in and pay me to do something that the track should be doing regardless for their event. So I go in, cause sometimes I go into some bad situations and, and if I had to scrape them, my timelines wouldn't even work for the event to take place. And the promoter would have to pay me a whole nother day. And so it, they're not going to do that. So the very first thing is I'll go in, hopefully they scraped it. I'll look at the scrape job, see what they did. The best way I can put doing track prep and I'm not a painter or whatever. It's like body and paint. You know, if your body work is superior, but your painter is terrible, it's going to be a bad paint job. So if you put all the track, if you spend the time, And make your base, you know, when you're building your racetrack with the drag tractor and putting the rubber down, and you make that really nice, and then you overspray it or overspray it. You can tear it all up. Same, and also in body work, if you have a great painter and a terrible body man, it ain't going to work. Well, if you go out there and you scrape the track and you hop on the tractor for five minutes and drive around in circles, I call them tractor drivers. They don't want to do any work on the racetrack during the week because nobody's there to watch them. They get on during the week when everybody's there and they want to drive it for five minutes and spray some glue and then wonder why it don't work. And it's all the work. people. When you come to an event, you might see me sitting on the tractor, or riding around on a scooter, hanging out, or whatever the case may be, if things are going well, which is really never. <laughs> never. But if they are, um, that's because of the hours and hours and hours and hours I put in the racetrack before a fan came through the gate. Before a race car was even put on the racetrack, you know, I mean, OS, Tyler right now is at, at BMP um, doing work on the track right now. He's scraping one side of OSCR because he's testing on the other side. And we'll be there tomorrow putting the track together for testing on Wednesday. And even then, the track still takes, could take a day or two to, to, to not be green anymore, is what we call it. Um, so it's, you start, you come in, you scrape, you start putting your base down. You're putting your base down and that for me can be anywhere from three four hours to a full day of just tractor driving and it's tractor driving and spraying chemicals and putting stuff down and i ain't gonna tell them all because that's what i get paid to do but you know it's it's kind of just putting down your chemicals and doing you're you're looking for things because there's a certain thickness you kind of want depending on the racetrack and the type of racing you're doing because if you take and spray a bunch of rubber on a little bit of, or a bunch of glue and a little bit of rubber, it's not gonna, it doesn't have the, the depth to be able to hold all that stickiness. So the tire to rubber adhesion is gonna be better than the concrete to rubber, and it'll stick to the tire and pull it off. And that's why you get shit all over the track, or sorry, where you get like, uh, spider, mo- I call it spidering where they're peeling all over the place. That's most of the time an oversprayed track or a track that won't hold rubber. Sometimes my tracks will look oversprayed because they won't hold the rubber that they're supposed to. And based on the type of racing we're doing, I know I got to have enough glue down there to do it. And I'm at that point in time, you're hoping that the glue helps you at that point, you know, to get past it. So the bait, putting down the base with the tractor is very, very essential. And that goes back to your scraping. If you're scraping crap, it ain't going to work. So you have to go and start with a nice, flat, scraped, smooth surface. You start putting your rubber down, and then it's based on application of if you're radio racing or if you're big tire racing. Most of the tracks, honestly, from the Christmas tree out, whether it's radio or big tire, are the same. The only f- difference is the first 40 feet. You know, the big tire car needs a little wheel speed, but now they're starting to run them cars like radials, and they're just um, getting them to roll off rather than spin the tire um, when they're leaving. Um, so, it, it's even allowing us to kind of make the tracks the same back and forth, you know, where it's stickier, but when it comes to the big tire stuff, you can get away with not being, um, as, uh, you can get away sometimes with knowing a lot less about track prep and getting away because you had the tire is going to save you. We're radio racing. It's the tire, the glue and the base. And if you're don't, if you don't know what you're doing, the cars ain't moving anywhere. Um, so you really have to know, what kind of cars you have coming and know how to spray for them. I mean, Darlington, I had a little issue. I goofed up and uh, um, it got away from me for a minute. And with that type of an event, um, a lot of people are afraid to try different things. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you try something and it don't work. And it's like, all right, what do I do now? Well, a lot of people with the pressure of that, if I try something, this could go totally the wrong way and get worse. And you definitely don't want that to happen when you got the stands packed with people and cars there. But with experience and just, you gotta, you gotta, Wade's one of them guys. Wade will try anything. I'm, I love working with him because he's like, it ain't working. Let's do this. And I mean, I don't understand why people try to do insanity. Like if the track ain't working, they'll keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, it's not going to change, man. Like it's doing this because it doesn't like this way, the style of what you're doing. Every track is different. I travel all over the country. Every racetrack is different. There's no two the same. I mean, I have to use different principles in every track I go to. And it's like tuning a new car every single weekend. And I'm expected to get there and knock it out of the park on like day one. Cause sometimes I'm only in a race for one day. So I have that day to get through and try to make it as best I can. And sometimes it starts not good. And sometimes it starts really good. So you really have to know the principles of scrape, drag spray and what they do and And how it can affect it. Like, for instance, when you're saying pooch goes out there and might kick the track. Well, a lot of times if you see a guy going out there and spinning his foot, they're seeing how tight the track is. Um, And what you can do at times is during the summer, like you've seen me at Darlington this weekend, I'd go out there and just drag it and not spray it. Well, in the middle of the day, sometimes with the heat on it, it'll start to get slimy. Well, you can put your foot on it and twist it and it'll twist right away. I can take that drag tractor and run over it a couple times and it's almost like stretching the rubber. It tightens it back up and you go out there and tighten up and send some more cars and then it'll do it again. And then you can, and that's a lot of times during the daytime when it's, when, when you have like, when you get a track temperature over like 120, 130, you're not going to start applying the glue like you were before. And sometimes you're not even going to spray at all. I mean, there was times at nighttime I would have to spray between every class or every other class, but during the daytime, I didn't spray all day. If you don't have that experience or know, you know, know what to do, it's going to Totally destroy your surface because if you try to do the same thing daytime and nighttime, by the day four or five, it's going to be so much glue on that racetrack that it's just going to be unbearable and it's going to get away from you and you're going to have to scrape it all off and start over.
0: Well, when I see the sprayer come out in the heat of the day, yeah. I get very nervous. And I've been at some tracks that
1: like they don't necessarily know what's going on. Sometimes I'll go out there. Sometimes I'll go out there and you'll see me go like 50 miles as fast as a four-wheeler go. I do that just for peace of mind because some tuners and I get it. I'm like that too. They just need to see the machine out there. So if I get it fast as can be, it just kind of fogs out there. It's not really anything. It just kind of puts a little bit on the top. I can turn pressures down. I can do a bunch of stuff just to kind of give us all a little bit of peace of mind without destroying the racetrack. So there's a whole lot of different things you can do to manipulate the racetracks. And that's what people like me, Pooch, Tyler, um, Kurt Johnson, all of us, we we know, okay, well, we can turn the pressure down and it'll do this, or we can add more alcohol to the glue and it'll do this, or we can add more, take the alcohol away and it'll do this. Or the rotator does this to the track. The flat drag does this to the track. Some tracks you can't run rotators on in the middle of the day because it starts, it actually starts smearing the mu- the rubber, like kind of like pulls it off it just makes it really thin so sometimes during the daytime you can't you can't run a rotator like you would like to so you have to been able to be able to uh, finesse it and manipulate it so key to successful uh track prep and 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 knowing it's just experience man me being on the road has helped me tremendously because i've been putting these hot seats every weekend like uh, i go to a different racetrack every single weekend sometimes i wish i had like a home track because it's like man it would just be kind of like relieving because you almost know what to expect you know after you work on it so many times it's like okay I know the quirks of it I know what it does like I know what it doesn't like but for me every single weekend uh especially my first year my first year most all the tracks were new so I I didn't everything I went into it was like going into blindfolded but now that I've been doing it for a couple years I'm repeating these tracks and I know okay this track don't like this this one don't like this so my success is getting better as the years go on, I guess, because I'm getting more and more experience doing it, but I'm I'm happy with it because it's teaching me a whole lot of things. It's teaching me a whole lot of things in track prep that a lot of guys that are sticking at one track every weekend are not learning because they're not being put in these situations. You know, I go to some tracks and work with some guys and they're like, I never even knew that. And I'm like, yeah, me neither. Until I was talking to some, the crazy thing is it's like some backwoods track that nobody hears about and knows this crazy super little trick that they showed me you know what I mean so sometimes you find out some of the coolest craziest things with them little old tracks you know that's where I come from and I'm I'm a little track guy like I think I think when I'm all said and done like I just want to have like a little tiny track that I can do some like testing on and just not worry about all the crazy stuff <laughs>
0: Well, Jimmy, before we move into our final part of the show here, we got to thank Procharger for uh, being on board with us for 25 years. Procharger has been the industry-leading aftermarket supercharger manufacturer by designing, engineering, and building the most powerful, reliable, and advanced centrifugal superchargers on the market. No matter if you're looking for a 3,500 horsepower record-setting Pro Mod or a DIY system for your streetcar, truck, or even motorcycle. Pro Charger has the perfect system for you. For more information on all the ways that you can bolt 40, 50, 60, or even 100% more power to your ride, visit ProCharger.com. Now, you're a racer, been raised around racing. Being in that seat and being in that position, do you think that that has ultimately helped you more in your endeavors running a track and prepping tracks?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I, I've even like, it's even been to a time where I've been actually I stopped racing for a while, and made some changes to some programs uh, that I w- was running and thought it was a good idea, and then you know would get in one you know my dad's car or one of my car or my car or whatever and then go race it and be in that event and be like this is stupid like I don't like how this is ran like maybe the way you run your buybacks, you know what I mean? A certain way or whatever. So being in the driver's seat and and really seeing what it's like to make that pass down the track, you get to see, Hey, is there a bump? Hey, is the track prep crap? Is it going away or whatever? I've had that time and time again, I've had a guy come up to me and be like track da da da, And I'm like, uh, here, here's all my tickets. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to tell you, bud, you know? So being in the driver's seat, I guess kind of it's cheating, if you will. If you, if you want to be serious about it, because you get to see the inside and what, what it, what you need to improve on firsthand and you, but you have to be open-minded. You know, if you want, if you go into this and this is me and I'm the greatest, you know, manager out there and I'm just going to, my program's always working. If they don't like it, they can hit the gate and all that. Not success, man. You Drag racing and managing. It's like 51% you're winning because everything's always 50, 50, You know, uh, you can have a driver's meeting and say, hey, I'm going to do it this this way, raise your hand, and you'll have 50%. Well, I want to do it this way, and 50%, and then you're sitting there going, well, I don't even know what to do now, you know. So being in the driver's seat has really helped me understand what rules need to be in place, how things can be manipulated. You know, I know different ways that you can manipulate the tree as far as staging battles and stuff like that. If you know the rules – you can play the rules in your favor. Well, when guys are out there playing these games and they're caught on it, I'm the one that can go, bro. Come on. <laughs> I know what you're doing here. Take that, going back to your trailer, drink your beer and I'll see you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's not do this right now. And and also to understand on the bad side of that, that I'm very competitive myself. So I, I have been that guy that I've gotten out and probably said something that I shouldn't have said. So when somebody does that to me, I'm kind of like, hey, bro, I know you're, you're in the heat of the battle right now. Go over there and think about it for a second. I'm going to think about it for a second. Let's come back and we'll talk about this like men because if we talk about it like we are right now, it ain't going to be good because I'm not like that and you're coming at me like it ain't a good recipe for what we're trying to accomplish here. So it allows me to see why that guy's feeling like that because I've been in them situations. You know what I mean? So I think it's really key, but then on the other side of it, man, It's a battle because people, for some reason, think because if you're a track manager now, you can like be perfect on the tree all the time or you got this crazy switch under the dash of your car that you can turn the wind light on all the time. And it's not a lot of times when I'm racing at my own programs, I'm making passes in the car, really, because my head's in 500 other directions. I'm making sure everything's going good there's been times I've been in the car, like pulling in the burnout box and somebody comes over to me and like, so what lanes buy back in? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, um, yeah, let me shut it off and I'll help <laughs> you. You know what I mean? And you have to, it's my job. If I'm racing somebody and I've had it happen. If I'm racing something and you have a malfunction, you're winning. Like, yeah, it's just nature of the beast. You know what I mean? If it's a, if it's something to where you think it needs to be a rerun or whatever, you know what, I'm just going to let you just, just go ahead, man, because I don't so it's one of them things to where being in the seat, it helps you all the way around because you understand everything that takes place from all aspects, you know, not only on the promoter side, but the opposite side of the fence, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm actually, uh, when I, when I managed that I'd get on my scooter and I'd go watch from different parts of the racetrack, you know, I'd go sit in the stands and just kind of see what was going on. I'd go up, uh, There's some tracks you can go up on the towers. I'd go up in there and just kind of look at everything and see how parking is and how this is and and just kind of see how everything is moving, especially in busy times, if you can, because that's when you know that you need to make different changes and you can kind of see things. That's a difference between a successful manager and a non-successful one taking notes and then making changes. You can have an event. And then not be successful, but you can make changes and make a a successful one. But you have to be willing to take the notes and make these changes and continue to make it better. Nobody's uh, event is great. I mean, they're always building. I mean, Jason Miller, he's probably got a notebook. I mean, that guy takes notes on like everything. So, I mean, there's plenty of – he's one of the top tier ones out there. I mean, he is. He's just very, very – he got that from Royce. Royce, him and Royce are note taking guys. I mean, they they walk around with voice recorders all the time. And hey, you know, I have to fix this and I have to fix that, which is a great idea, you know. And so, being in the driver's seat gives you the other side of that. And when you're out there sitting in the stands, you can go, hey, you know, I don't like this, or we need to get the guys down here and groundskeeping to clean up down here because sitting here it looks kind of whatever, or so on and so forth. So, putting yourself in the driver's seat, putting yourself in the stands, putting yourself in the in your customers um, situations is always successful for any business. You know what I mean? And, and so I do it, but in the same hand, I have to watch, like I was saying, I have to watch because you get people complaining about it. So you have to have that fine line of checking out your product without chasing people away from your product because they think you have an unfair advantage because it is your product. You know, he's going to spray his lane up a little better and make sure it's fine or vice versa, even though I don't do anything like that. Like beat me fair and square. You know, I've waited for people. i people have been broke. And I've sat there and they're like, go ahead and go. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'll, we'll race at the end of the race at the end of the round or whatever. Like, I want you to beat me fair and square. That's how I am. Like, I don't want no gimmies and, and, and that stuff. So there's pros and cons to driving, but I feel there's more pros. And as long as you don't make it a an everyth- everyday thing, you know, um, I I, my dad's track it's a small little track. I ran the bracket series there, and I was always in the top ones. You know, I I ran for the championship a time or two, never won. But I was in hunting. Nobody that ever thought anything out of the way to me because I was very fair to everybody, you know. And I and I always uh, was a gentleman. So I mean, being bringing the old school like things this country was built on, like be a gentleman, be nice to people, you know, and that gets you far, far, and especially in drag racing, you know, listen to somebody's problem. If they have a problem, listen to it for a second. Don't always assume that they're just out there complaining. I mean, there's people that complain every day and what we do, but have an open mind, you know, and, and and put yourself, and if you don't race, put yourself in that man's shoes. He goes and he goes out there and works, 40 plus hours a week and spends his hard earned money on his race car. And that's his out. You don't know what he's going through in his personal life. That could be what he's doing right now to get by. That's his out. And you go there and you treat him like a fool. What kind of fool are you at the end of the day? You know what I mean? So it's one of them things you just have to be, just be a good person, man. And, and listen to people, be open-minded and, and make your, put yourself in your customer shoes at any business for that matter.
0: Well, Jimmy, I have one last question for you. A lot of people don't realize this, but on the Drag podcast, we have a magical checkbook that we can open up that gives people unlimited funds. And time me up. I am giving <laughs> you this magical checkbook and unlimited funds to build the perfect racetrack. Wherever you need any place, we're just we're gonna make it happen. What would you do to build the perfect racetrack? What's it gonna have?
1: Actually, I think I get a chance to go to a perfect racetrack. Uh, we're working on some stuff overseas, and from what I hear, they're kind of the perfect racetracks. And that's the same. I guess that that puts in a nutshell. If you want a unlimited budget racetrack, they are already building them on the and they're on the other side of the world. And them places are fantastic, from what I'm hearing. And I, uh, I guess it's something in the sand or whatever with the concrete. But it's everyone over there. It, Tyler went over there. Um, Tyler went to Kuwait um and in january and we were supposed to go back over there and do some other stuff but covid came around and knocked all that out of the water um so i never got a chance to go back over and hopefully i get to in 2021 um but he went over there and he says jimmy he says it's stupid dumb he's like you can mess around over there and the track pulls 500 and you didn't even do anything to it he's like he ran street cars on it for two two days straight street tire cars And this track was still just as pretty as could be street tire cars over here on a racetrack. You get through, you have a hundred of them and you got bald spots this big and you're scraping and you're trying to line them up over there on top of the photo cells off the racetrack. You know what I mean? Let let them run down the return road because they're tearing my work all up. We're over there. So unlimited funds, I guess would be transport everything they have over there over here. And it really boils down to, um, I mean, they're just they're just turning into a huge business. I mean, them places over there, they have, um, they're, they're their own everything. They're hotels. The I think Kuwait Motortown right now, there it has its own hotels, its own casinos. There's a Starbucks on the property. Um, every form of motorsports is there. So when you're really getting into unlimited funds, that's what you need to do because you need to get into every form of motorsports. My son's big in in F1. F1 compared to drag racing is like.
0: Oh, we're, we're just a tiny little it, it, speck.
1: It's like, it's like T-ball compared to the major leagues. You know what I mean? Um, and, I mean, these guys are driving, racing around in the cars, and the crew chief's telling them what's wrong with the car as they're driving them. You know what I mean? It's just unreal. So um, I would have to have all forms of motorsports there just to be able to go through. You can even see some of your tracks still now with, like, especially down south. They're doing the mud bogs. You know, Tyler, Tyler has one of VMP. Um, They got the mud bog. So you're, you're, you, cause it's entertainment. I mean, people fail to remember this drag racing 101. We are in the business of entertaining, you know? you know, and that's why you have what you have. That's why there's, that's why there's flow racing. That's why there's all that because it's entertainment. And you guys know on the flip side of that, when you're trying to shoot a show, you're going through the same thing that, that a promoter and a track a manager is going through. How do we entertain our fans? How do we help these this track and this promoter entertain the fans to make sure to make this race look like it's something? Because I'm sure you've probably been to some races and it's been like, uh, what are we doing here? Like, how are we going to make, like, we're supposed to make this thing look huge and there's nobody here. How do we do this? And it comes to, to a point where a good team will come together and make it happen. And, and You and I have been to some races that we've had to do that, you know, and and so it goes from, like I said, all entities from the camera crew to the ticket person. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've worked the gate. I've literally done everything. I worked the gate. I mean, and it's one of the things you have to be wherever you have to be. And if you can let a racer come in the gate happy, you're doing well if you bring him in the gate and he's already mad it's almost impossible to make him happy from that time on out because more than likely that same racer is going to go down there somebody done pulled in his parking spot (laughs) you know what i mean so it's unreal so it's really just making how can you make your customer happy from the minute they come through the gate whether they're a racer with a million dollar operation or they're your spectator coming in bringing for the first time their kids you know and a lot of that is time management you know when i used when i would take my family and you have little kids, Nine, ten o'clock, they're done, you know? And when they start nagging on mom, mom's done. And then she's going to dad. And and if you're trying to run a show until one in the morning, dad's not happy about this because at 10 o'clock he's got to leave. So we as track operators, managers, promoters got to kind of keep in mind of what our clientele wants and they can't be all night. Now, if you have grudge racing, of course, you're not going to have your 10 year old there. So that's, we're out there nighttime racing, doing what we do, you know? Um, Unlimited funds. I would definitely have all forms of racing there. Uh, definitely all concrete. Um, main thing. I mean, you have your concrete asphalt, but definitely all concrete surface. Any more, man? Honestly, I mean, quarter racing, quarter mile racing is there, but it's 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 as fast as the cars are getting. It's just falling off more and more and more and more. I mean, more so now. You do have NHRA and bracket racing is really the only thing you're at now. I mean, even in the northeast here, some of the stuff um, that was quarter miles cut back. And not to mention, it helps with noise. Believe it or not, um, right here in Maryland, we cut back to eighth mile racing at the track my dad was at because of noise complaints. They're only hearing that car for part of second gear rather than it winding all the way out in high gear now. You know what I mean? And we I, we, we, noticed a difference in the calls that we would get complaints between our quarter mile racing and half mile racing. So we were looking at it, the longevity of the racetrack, we have to cut it back to quarter mile racing, you know? and. And and then it goes in the parts factor for your bigger races. You know it's too expensive to run these cars quarter mile. So I'd still go quarter mile racing just to kind of keep it open to everybody. Um, now is this like kind of like staff and everything, or is it just facility? Just the, fa- just the
0: facility. What, what facility, you know, what, yeah. what are you put
1: in there. Bathrooms have to be par. I mean, I'm back to mom and kids. There's so many racetracks I go to, and the bathrooms are terrible. And it's like you like the, if you're at a, if you're, if you want me to pay money to come watch your show all day and I can't go in the bathroom and use the bathroom and, and feel like I'm not going to catch a disease, like, what do you do? Wh- like, how can you expect me to be a repeat customer? Because the next time I go back, it's man, well, now I got to go there. And if I have to use the bathroom, I got to go, I got to leave the premises to go somewhere to feel halfway decent. I mean, so bathrooms are key. Um, I do like the scoreboards Galat has. They're pretty cool. Um,
0: don't forget about concessions I don't know that, surf,
1: Race surface is about me It's all about race and surface For me, after that You can you can hand out tickets Out of a porta potty. I don't care I just want to go fast <laughs> Well, Jimmy
0: our, our time here is coming to a close And I like to give my guests Their uh, their ability to, to pull The old school John Force And thank all their sponsors And tell people where to find them at So uh, the floor is yours, my friend Tell people what you got going on And where they can learn more about it
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm headed, uh, this weekend, uh, April 24th to the 27th, I believe, or something like that. I don't remember the dates, the Tyler's OSCR. Um, I'm back at Tyler's again for the next first week or May 1st for what is that? Uh, Grudge race, Grudge race with peso and them. Um, really, I think VMP, they do a lot for me. Tyler does a lot for me. Um, I'd like to thank Russell Miller and them for having me back there this weekend, Keith and all of them at Woostock. i like thank VP Racing Fuels and Jason Ruckert. He does a lot for me with traction compounds and so on and so forth. Um, my mom and dad, my family, everybody like that. Everybody's kind of been my support. And, and it's tough when you're on the road and trying to run, you know, making sure life takes care of itself behind the scenes, you know what I mean? Like for instance, I, I've been home, I'll be home one day in like two weeks you know what I mean? So it takes a lot of uh, support from home as well. So i like to thank my family and all that good stuff and my racers, you know, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. You got people like uh, Mike Hill and all them guys that gave me a chance. He was one of the first guys I've ever worked for um, that gave me a chance to, to do this. So I really thank the tracks that allowed me to come in because it's kind of a sticky deal there, not to be pun intended, <laughs> but to where they come in and, and sometimes it, they could take it as I make them look bad and they don't want to do that sometimes. So for these tracks that are allowing me to come in, I try to go there and I, um, be open-minded and, and try to help as well, make drag racing great, great again, if you will. Um, so I want to thank everybody for just giving me the opportunity really.
0: And of course we've got to thank our sponsors, AFR pro charger, performance distributors for a uh, help make the podcast possible. Jimmy, thanks so much for, being on the show and uh look forward to seeing some events this year.
1: No problem, man. Thank, thank you very much. Hoping I messed up too much. I know I had power go out and a million other things and stuff like that. So I hey, appreciate it. It happens. We roll with it here, man. We roll with it. <laughs> See you soon, man. Yes, sir, bro. Take care.